Hey, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're with us today. One of the things that we hope and pray for um, often for our church is that we would be a steadfast presence in the lives of those around us. Uh, and so we pray that for you. If, it's you. if you're here for the first time, we want to be a steadfast presence for you uh, that continually points you to Jesus, that anchors ourselves in Christ. And so, um, you know, we're going to be in John 9 today. But before we get to John 9, I want to give you a heads up. Uh, we're actually going to skip John 10 uh, next week and go to, directly to John 11 and then come back to John 10 in a couple of weeks. We're going to have a church planter, our church plant partner uh, who's going up and planting a church in Canada. He's coming down here um, in a couple of weeks and we're going to have like a luncheon for college students and talk about leveraging our life uh, Leveraging our, leveraging our life after college for the mission of God. And so that'll be March 6th. Uh, so if you're a college student, freshman, uh, grad student, uh, anybody, if you want to leverage your life uh, after, uh, after college, we want to see you there and we'll, we'll have lunch as well. Um, that's March 6th. But today we're uh, in John 9. Um, and it's one collective story where Jesus uh, very nicely spits on the ground um, and then he makes mud with, mud with the dirt, uh, with his spit, puts it on a blind man's eye, and the blind, and the blind man, he can open up his eyes and see, uh, which pretty quickly helps us see our main idea. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. It's a longer story that we're going to work through today. I'm going to read uh, most of it and summarize some of it, but in short, it's about Jesus opening up blind eyes. Now, as we see by the end of our time, there are layers to this that we'll pull back that I think will be really helpful for us that I hope will encourage you. You know, this story, uh, it brings out a recurring theme from the book of, that we've seen throughout the book of John, running, kind of running alongside the theme of light and darkness. You know, in the prologue, uh, in the first chapter of John, the first 18 verses, we saw the theme of light and darkness. We saw it introduced. And then later in John 5, we saw Jesus call himself a light. And then in John 8, 12, Jesus said more directly, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so one of the things that I love about Jesus is that oftentimes in the gospel, he teaches something in a plain statement, like he said in John 8, 12. But then he later, he will later oftentimes paint a picture and illustrate it. And our story today is Jesus illustrating, showing us that he is the light of the world and that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. Because as we'll see, he takes a man who is physically walking in darkness as a blind man and he physically heals him so that he is no longer in the dark. Now, I don't think there's a single person in this room that I need to convince that being able to see is like a good and helpful thing. Um, you know, if you've ever put on a blindfold and tried to whack a pinata, um, you realize how you realize very quickly how it's really helpful to be able to see. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but it snowed here in Florida. Um, okay, we all know it didn't really snow, but it did get below freezing, and there was frost on the ground. And in the morning, me and the kids, uh, we were excited, and we just pretended it snowed with the white stuff that was on the ground, uh, and we threw snowballs at each other. And that same morning, I, of course, got a little carried away uh, and made the mistake of not turning on my car ahead of time to defrost the window. And of course, uh, like who has an ice scraper in Florida? I drive an old truck, like 20 years old, um, and the defroster was, a being, was being a little slow, uh, and I couldn't see out the front window because of like, the, the ice that was on the front or whatever it was. Uh, and y'all, I, I had places to be, uh, so what did I do? 
And y'all, this is, this is confession time. Do not do this, okay? I rolled down my window, and I drove about 100 yards uh, throughout my neighborhood, about five miles an hour, uh, with my head out the window, trying to get the engine to speed up and the defroster to keep going. Y'all, again, do not do that, but that's what I did, okay? Um, we get the idea, right? Being able to see when driving a car is vitally important. And if we can't see the way that we're intended to see uh, and go outside of the desi intended design, the results can be tragic. Again, when we're blinded and can't see, just like not being able to see in a car, right, things won't go well for us. And as we'll see today, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. We need to be able to see not only physically, but spiritually. And I think we can agree that people have learned to maneuver and drive through life when they can't see, right? Kind of like me sticking my head out the window, trying to drive my truck down the neighborhood road. Y'all, being able to see spiritually, it helps us to live the way that we were intended to live. And yes, this passage we're going to look at today, it is referring to salvation and being able to see the truth of Jesus and becoming a Christian but y'all, this is very much so also for people who are already Christians. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that yes, we can understand the truth of Jesus, but as we talked about last week, we have an enemy that is still trying to blind us and keep parts of our life in the dark. Like we all have blind spots. And so this is what we're gonna do today, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna read and tell the story. It's gonna take about eight to 10 minutes, so I want you to try to hang with me. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna point out five interactions in this story. Um, and there's kind of like five different scenes. And after we go throughout the story, uh, on, on about the last half or two thirds of our time, I'm gonna point out how each scene has a takeaway that will help prepare us to seeing more clearly. The first three will uh, be ways that we're hindered to see, and the last two will be ways that we can uh, that help us see. And so let's get, go ahead and look at the first three verses of verse 1, and we'll start to get into this first scene. Look at verse, the first three verses in John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this is the first scene. And we have, there's several different people throughout this story. Uh, but in just a second, we'll see that it's focused on, which is scene one, Jesus and the blind man. Okay, the man was born blind. He, he doesn't, uh, the man doesn't have a name. So whenever we talk about this man in the story, uh, it's the man who was born blind. But before we get into this, I want you to notice uh, that Jesus, that his disciples asked if this man was born blind because of sin. And Jesus shows us that no, this was not a sin issue, but rather God wanted to display something great through him. And I want to stop here just really quickly and say that if you or your children were born with something, whether it be physical, mental, or something maybe emotional, or some sort of natural wiring uh, that possibly is a challenge, I want you to notice what God says about this. God can take those hard things and he is able to powerfully display his works through them. I don't know who needed to hear that today, but Jesus brings it up. And so I wanted to just quickly point that out, but let's keep moving through scene one. 
In verse 4, Jesus says, We must work through the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Again, I want to point something out here. Um, It's clear from this verse that Jesus is in somewhat of a hurry to do what he's about to do on this specific day, which we'll see is the Sabbath day. So there's something in this story about the Sabbath that's significant. I mean, the guy, uh, he's been blind his entire life, and Jesus could have easily waited until the next morning, but Jesus didn't do that. No, Jesus intentionally does what he's about to do on the Sabbath. And look what Jesus says next. Look at verses 5 to 7. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. You know, when I first read this story, I know this isn't super spiritual, um, but the first thing that jumped out to me was that Jesus spits on the ground. And he made mud with his spit, uh, and he put the spit mud on the man's eyes, okay, which seems pretty gross. Um, if you ask me, Jesus made mud with his spit and put it on the man's face. Let's just call a spade a spade. Um, this seems nasty, right? Like if, there, there, like if there are all sorts of explanations about this, some have said that maybe he was echoing his creative activity from Genesis 2-7 where God created man from the dust of the ground. And I say maybe. Like, it seems like a creative connection. That's what my study Bible says. But what I think Jesus is doing is he is intentionally trying to break rules that the Pharisees strictly followed that weren't actually in the Mosaic law. So these things were supposed to be helpful suggestions, but they made them hard and fast rules and laws. So what were helpful suggestions, the Pharisees then made them laws. And all of these suggestions that turned into laws caused them to miss the purpose of the Sabbath, which we'll see later in the story. But for scene one, with Jesus and the blind man, the big thing in this scene is that Jesus healed the man who was born blind. He was blind his entire life. He put mud on his face, told him to go wash it off, and the man came back and not blind. He wasn't a blind man anymore, but he was a seeing man. So that's scene one. Jesus made a blind man see, uh, and it is nothing short of a miracle. But let's keep going into scene two. Look, Look starting in verse eight. The neighbors and those who had, made, uh, who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who said, uh, who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made uh, mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. So this is scene two, the man and his neighbors. His neighbors, they didn't recognize him. Some did, some didn't. But what I loved what the man says in verse nine, he kept saying, I am the man. He's like, guys, it's me. I'm the man. Look, starting in verse 13, the seeing our third scene. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? 
And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. So here we have scene three, the man and the Pharisees. So they took this man, his neighbors, they took them to the religious leaders named the Pharisees. And of course, the rigid Pharisees are more concerned that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day than the fact that he actually healed the man. So the Pharisees then, they questioned the blind man, wondering who Jesus was. And the man says, I think Jesus is a prophet. But if we were to keep reading, we'd see that the Jews, they didn't believe that he was born blind. So they call in the man's parents and they question the parents and his parents confirm that, yes, he was in fact born blind. And they asked his parents, how did he see? And in in fear of being kicked out, um, if they told the truth, they said, well, just ask our son. He's old enough. And look down at verse 24, starting to see our fourth scene. They put the man on the, on the stand for a second time. Look at verse 24. For, this, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And look how the man responds in verse 25 uh, with them thinking Jesus was a sinner. He, he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So scene three and scene four, they have a little bit of overlap. Uh, this man, he's, the man is still talking with the Pharisees, but the topic has shifted in the conversation. The conversation is now about Jesus, which leads us to scene four, Jesus and the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are continuing to question the man about Jesus. And he's like, why do you keep drilling me with these questions? I've already told you what I know. And you're asking me, like, are you asking me these things because you also want to follow Jesus? which they thought was funny, uh, and they made a snarky response back. Look what it says, starting in verse 28. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, speaking of Jesus, we do not know where he, came from, where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Y'all, this man is straight preaching to these Pharisees. They put him on the stand, and the man is like, call me a sinner all you want, but one thing I know for sure, I was once blind, but now I see. Like, believe whatever you want to believe, but I don't know how Jesus could have healed this man uh, if he wasn't from God. Well, they didn't like that, and so they kicked him out. Which leads us to our last scene when Jesus steps, when Jesus steps back onto the scene. Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. This is scene five, Jesus and the seeing man. The man who was once blind can now see. He saw Jesus again and Jesus told him that he was the son of man, the Messiah. 
And the man believed, and he worshiped Jesus. And if you notice in verse 39, Jesus said something very profound. He said, he came so that those who do not see can see, and those who see may become blind. And that's one of those statements we're going to have to kind of chew on and scratch our head about for a second, and we will. But at the surface, it seems confusing, and the Pharisees, of course, they just didn't get it. Because look at verse 40 to 41 to end the chapter, to end the story. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, we, are, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. They don't get it. The Pharisees, again, are confused. The Pharisees think Jesus is talking about physical blindness, but Jesus is talking about spiritual blindness. Jesus, yet again, he's using a physical reality to teach a spiritual reality. And so for the rest of our time, I'm going to take these five scenes that we just walked through, that we just saw in our text. Uh, number one, Jesus and the blind man, uh, the, the man and his neighbors, the man and the Pharisees, Jesus and the Pharisees, and Jesus and the seeing, man, and see, the seeing man. Those are the five scenes that we have. Each scene, each one of those interactions, we're going to have a corresponding uh, spiritual reality, like a truth that, go, that we're going to see in each of these scenes. The first three scenes, um, they're, they're things that kind of keep us from seeing seeing. And then the last two are things that will help us see. So the first three hinder sight and the last two help us or they help sight. And so um, hopefully uh, in all of this, we'll be able to see the beauty of God more clearly. So let's look at the first scene. We saw number one, Jesus and the blind man. And the, and the first reality we see in this interaction that keeps us from seeing is that number one, people are blinded to the gospel. Okay, so if you checked out at any point during that story, I want to invite you to check back in because, y'all, we we've seen this over and over again throughout the book of John and throughout the New Testament. There are people all around us that do not see clearly. That the beauty and the truth that is found in Jesus, people are blinded to it. I mean, the purpose of this entire book, the book of John, as John 20, 31 tells us, is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And we see this very clearly in this story, that in order to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we have to see the truth of the gospel and not be blinded to it. And when we see the truth of the gospel, our eyes are opened and we find life in Jesus. So y'all, if I got in my truck like a few weeks ago and I had a blindfold over my eyes trying to drive my truck, y'all, there's no way I would have been able to drive like at all. Like this is the picture we need to have here. Someone blinded with a blindfold over them trying to drive a car or a truck. Because without the gospel, people don't like kind of see. No, without Jesus, people are totally blind and in the dark. The Bible's clear. Like there are people all around us that are spiritually blinded, that are walking around blind because they don't have the truth of Jesus. They don't know it. They don't understand it. They haven't received it. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says, The God of this world, which is the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. 
So just like Jesus went to the blind man and healed his physical blindness so that he could open up his eyes to see the way in which God opens up our eyes, everyone in this room, watching online, out in the world, the way God opens up our eyes from our spiritual blindness is through the gospel. It's through the proclamation of the gospel, through hearing the gospel and responding to it. And although the blind man in the story did not sin to be made blind, he was still born blind, not being able to see. Where we all, in comparison, were born, in with, were born with a sin nature, just like this man was born blind. We were born with a sin nature, which would inevitably lead us to spiritual blindness because of our sin. So listen, every person on the planet is blinded spiritually until their eyes are opened through believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel that we must believe in order to see. We must believe that our sin separated us from God. Our sin caused us to destroy our connection with God, totally separating us from God, leaving us without any ability within ourselves to fix it. But yet, the good news is that although we couldn't fix it, God sent Jesus Christ to come in and fix the problem that our sin created. And Jesus paid the penalty for our sin at the cross. And when we believe in Jesus, God wipes away our sin. And we gain Jesus' standing before God. So our sin separates us and the cross brings us back to God. And when we believe this, God opens up our spiritual eyes so we can be back in a love relationship with God. We can be connected back with God, totally seen as pure and clean before God. That's the gospel. We failed, we fell short, but yet God sent Jesus to give us his standing before God. Christian, don't forget that today. You stand clean and innocent before God because of the cross. This is good news for us. Like this, this is good news literally every single day. And listen, if you have not trusted in Jesus today, you can have a fresh new start by believing in Jesus, trusting in the cross, trusting in Jesus's work at the cross. And y'all, there's so much to love about all of this. But what I want to point out today is the simplicity of remembering the grace of the gospel for those who have trusted in Christ. Because get this, just like Jesus could have passed by the blind man, but did not, but rather Jesus stopped and healed him. That's grace. The blind man got something he did not deserve. If you are a Christian, remember that your salvation is a gift that we did nothing to earn it, like absolutely nothing. We did not deserve it. We were once blinded by our sin, walking around in the dark, and Jesus stepped into our life by absolutely nothing of our own accord, by nothing that we did, and he simply opened up our eyes to see the beauty of God in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, God rescued, he rescued you, and you did not rescue yourself. That's grace. God opened your eyes to see. You did not open your own eyes, and it's totally and a complete miracle in your life to be able to see the beauty of Jesus. He simply looked at us, he looked at us in our blindness, in my blindness, and said, Let them see. And our eyes were opened. That's grace. 
Christian, this is one of the more hopeful truths in proclaiming and sharing the gospel. Because when we share the gospel, when this truth is told, God opens up blind eyes. I mean, it literally takes one time of hearing the gospel for someone's eyes to be open to seeing the beauty of Jesus. I mean, this should encourage us to share widely and broadly and to pray and plead boldly, utterly dependent on the power of God to save. Christian, take heart today. Because the mission of God is not on your shoulders. It is entirely on God's shoulders. But know this. He does, however, delight in using us as a tool in his hands. Like being a part of God's grand rescue mission is how he created us to live. It's one of the ways in which he gives us full life. Out of all of the things in this passage, this one, the first spiritual reality that screams the loudest and can't be ignored, is that God opens up blind eyes to see. Like there are people all around us that are blind and God opens them up to see. Praise God. So that's truth number one. People are blinded to the gospel. And truth number two comes from scene two, with number two, the man and his neighbors. So this one's not going to be as obvious as the first, so I want you to follow me here for a second. Okay, so if you remember from our story, the blind man and his neighbors, for whatever reason, after the blind man could see, they didn't recognize him. They didn't know it was him. I guess he was like acting differently because he wasn't on the side of the road as a blind beggar anymore, and he was walking around with sight, able to see. And some of his neighbors knew it was him, and some weren't. But the man, if you remember, over and over again kept saying, I'm the man. He was telling them, like over and over again, that he was the man. But they were missing it. And what I want to point out in this is that we are all, in some way, much like the neighbors in this interaction. We may not be blinded to the gospel, But as Christians, we can all still have blind spots. There are things in our life that others may see, but we don't. Which leads us to our next spirituality, the things that keep us from seeing. Number two, we all have blind spots. It's kind of like we're driving down the road with our head out the window because we have blind spots. We're blinded. Areas of our life we're blinded to. And the man's neighbor literally had a miracle of God. Like a miracle of God was standing right in front of them, but they missed it. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it is worth at least mentioning because we all have things about us that we may not realize that are affecting the people around us or causing us to miss the beauty of God working that is right in front of us. Maybe there's a sin struggle that is keeping us from seeing God's beauty, or maybe there's a part of our life that just needs maturing that we can't see. And one of the harder questions that we can ask a good friend that loves you and will be kind to you is to ask them to help you see your blind spots. And y'all, this is really hard (laughs) because it's opening the door to something that may be hard to hear. But y'all, I've had many people do this for me and it's so helpful. It is hard, but it's helpful. And notice I didn't say tell other people their blind spots. No, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it's good and loving to invite people to speak truth into your life so that we can become more like Jesus and fully see the beauty of what he's doing around us. Because y'all, God is always working, always. He's always moving. His spirit is alive and active. But oftentimes we have blinders on that keep us from seeing what God is doing, like right in front of us. 
Which is why we need people around us, like in our groups, and our D groups, people to serve with, to remind us yet again, hey, look what God is doing. Do you see that? Isn't God good? And so who are you going to ask this week to help you see your blind spots? Ask them. Don't, don't project blind spots onto people. So again, reality number one, people are blinded to the gospel. Number two, we all have blind spots. And then let's look to see the third reality in scene three, the man and the Pharisees. This one's a little bit more prevalent in our story because their interaction is longer. But in short, when the blind man came before the Pharisees, he said he was healed by Jesus. But they didn't believe him. They were more concerned that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath than the fact that he was healed. They thought because he healed on the Sabbath, it could have not been from God. And so they kind of, so they kicked this blind man out. And at the very end of John 9, Jesus said, that, that statement for us to chew on, for judgment I came into the world, into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So Jesus is referring to the Pharisees here because they think they can see, but Jesus says, in fact, they cannot which leads us to our third spiritual reality that keeps us from, from seeing. It hinders our sight. There are people who think they can see but can't. Their sight is hindered. Like when you get into a truck in sunny Florida and expect to be able to see through a clear front window, but in fact you can't. Like we, sh we think we should be able to see, but we can't. So just like the Pharisees thought they knew God, Jesus points out that really they did not, which reminds us that there are many around us that think they know God, but in fact, they do not. You know, last week we emphasized people who think they're Christians because they go to church and do Christian things, but they are not Christians because they don't truly believe in Jesus. That's what he's getting at here again. But this week, I want to uh, steer our attention in the same vein, but a different category, because as we know, there are people who would not claim Christianity that believe they can see. But in fact, they cannot because they have not trusted in Jesus and they're blinded. And if this is true, then those who claim some sort of other God other than Jesus are also blinded. They think they can see, but they're blinded. Just like there's many Christians that believe that they're Christians because they go to church, but they don't understand the gospel. There are other people that are also blinded in different ways. And y'all, this is gripping. There are people in our neighborhoods, schools, sports teams, at work, where we go to the gym, that are blinded. There are people all throughout the Tampa Bay area and all over the world, maybe even in our families, that claim some sort of God other than Jesus and think they can see, but in fact they cannot and are blind. The painful, hard reality is that there are over a billion people in the world that pray five times a day to a God that does not exist. You know, I've seen people with my own eyes, my own two eyes, gather around in incense trying to appease a God that does not exist. I've seen people trying to wash themselves and clean themselves of their sins with algae-infested water, praying that some spirit will forgive them, but that spirit that they are praying to is likely demonic because it's not the Holy Spirit. Gripping. There are people all around us that claim some sort of higher power, but logically can't articulate anything about their higher power with any reason. There are people that think that whatever is their truth 
is true and that somehow we can all have our own truth even if they all contradict each other. They think they can see but cannot. They have been fooled and lied to. And may we as a church make it a habit to get on our knees and earnestly pray for them and to lovingly share Jesus with them so that their eyes can be open to the beauty of Jesus. But do you know what the major difference is between the blind man and the Pharisees? The blind man knew he was blind, where the Pharisees thought they could see, but in fact, they could not. Just like in the New City, just like we said last week, there are many people in our lives that need to realize that they are first blind before they can open up their eyes to see. Last week, we talked about the devil's tactics, and in line with that this week, this is uh, another one. The devil lures people to false truths, making them think they can see, but yet they are blinded to the truth. One of the greatest spiritual dangers a person can be in is to chase with full passion that which is not true. We're on the flip side, as we'll see with the blind man, those who are ripe to be able to see are those who know they are in fact blinded and they long to see. But we'll come back to that. So let's keep moving. Spirituality, number one, people are blinded to the gospel. Number two, we all have blind spots. And number three, people think they can see but can't. Those are the things that hinder sight. But then we have the fourth scene with number four, Jesus and the Pharisees. And I love these last two truths. This week for me, these last two, they've been such a blessing. So follow me here. These things, these last two, they help us to see Jesus clearly. The general consensus with Jesus and the Pharisees in this story is that the Pharisees, they don't like Jesus. Like they were mad at Jesus all the time, it seemed like. Because this time, because he healed this man on the Sabbath. And what I want to point out in this scene is the recurring theme of Sabbath. Maybe it seems like a little shift here, but it's in the story. If you don't know what Sabbath means, that's okay, because uh, these religious leaders, um, they didn't get it either. Maybe you've heard it as uh, taking off a day of work, um, which would have been how the Pharisees thought Sabbath, which isn't entirely wrong. But also, as we'll see, it also isn't entirely correct. And maybe you're thinking, this sounds great, but what does this have to do with spiritual sight and the blind man seeing? And what I want to show us here is, that, uh, is, is the spiritual reality number four, true Sabbath helps us see. So I want you to follow me here for a second. This entire interaction was intentionally placed on the Sabbath. Jesus went out of his way to heal him on the Sabbath, and it made the Pharisees really mad. And half of this story are the Pharisees griping about Jesus healing this man on the Sabbath. The, the Pharisees thought they were Sabbath experts, and because of it, they literally did nothing on the Sabbath. They didn't work the fields, they didn't move furniture, they wouldn't boil eggs, they couldn't create anything, they didn't make clay pots, they didn't do jewelry, uh, like they didn't make clothes, nothing. I mean, the you could go back and find all the list of rules that they had. It was just crazy. Anything that seemed like work, they did not do, which at the surface seems great, like it seems like a good idea, because yes, we were not created to work all day, every day. We need to take days off. We need to take breaks from work. Yes, uh, from all of that. We need, uh, we need breaks from work. But the problem was they were missing the true purpose of the Sabbath. Because the purpose of the Sabbath was not to simply not work. No, the purpose of the Sabbath is rest and renewal. The Pharisees were so caught up in what they were not doing 
they totally missed the purpose of the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for rest, like taking a day off of work, but intentionally to rest. God created the Sabbath for renewal, to be renewed. God created the Sabbath for healing. And so the reason Jesus was in such a big hurry to heal the man on the Sabbath was because Jesus knew the purpose of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was for healing. The Sabbath was for renewal and rest. And the Pharisees were missing the point of the Sabbath, trying to not work. And in the process, they were blinded to the one who would bring rest and renewal into their lives. They were blinded to seeing Jesus who would heal and renew their souls. Jesus healed the blind man on the Sabbath to bring renewal and healing and restoration, and it allowed the man to see. When we Sabbath well, we can see more clearly. The more, uh, the, and the more we find rest and renewal in Jesus, the more beautiful Jesus becomes to us. Y'all, if I would have just simply waited for my defroster and my truck to kick in and just sat uh, and rested and restored my windshield back to normal conditions, I would have been able to see and drive my, my truck uh, the correct way. My windshield needed to be restored so I could see clearly. Y'all, New City, this is so important for us to grasp because we so desperately need regular and repeated Sabbath. So we're not driving down the road with our heads out the window looking like a crazy person. God created an entire day for us as his people to, be at rest, to rest and be refreshed and renewed and to find healing. We need a Sabbath not just weekly, but we, we need to find moments of it daily, uh, an extended time monthly and yearly. Yes, God created us to work and to labor, but to also be refreshed and to renewed so we can see more clearly. Because get this, when we don't find true rest and renewal that is found in Jesus, and we get into the rat race of life, we often forget our purpose and our calling. And if our souls don't find rest in Jesus and find renewal and healing in Jesus, we'll break down, burn out, and turn to something else that we may think, that we think may heal us, but won't. We could say it this way, we often fall into sin because our souls are not at rest. Listen to me. When we get tired and weary, when our hearts and souls and bodies grow weary, we start longing and craving to be refreshed because that's the way God created us. And if we're not proactive to find true rest in Jesus and to be regularly refreshed and rested and restored by the right source, we will go to the wrong source. When we're not rested and our souls are weary, our blinders start to come up. In New City, the way to seeing clearly and fighting sin well is to regularly and daily rest well, is to heal and be restored well, is to desire something greater that gives you life. Because simply focusing on what not to do is not restorative, it's not healing, and it does not help you rest. Yes, it creates space, but we need to be restored in the correct way. The Sabbath was made for delight, not simply to ignore our duties. Now, there's so much more we could say here about rest and Sabbath, but we need to keep moving. So far, we've seen, number one, people are blinded to the gospel. Number two, we all have blind spots. Number three, people think they can see. Uh, and then uh, number four, true Sabbath helps us see. And then the last scene, to end our time, 
Number five, Jesus and the seeing man. In this man's first interaction with Jesus, he was known as a blind beggar. But in the second interaction, he's no longer blind, but he can now see. He's now the seeing man. And I've already touched on this a little bit, uh, but what I want to point out here is the difference between the seeing man and the Pharisees. As we've already pointed out, the Pharisees, they thought they could see, but could not. Where the blind man, he knew he could not see, which gave way for Jesus to open up his eyes. Again, the second half of verse 39, Jesus said, those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Which leads us to our last spirituality that really helps us to see clearly. Number five, those who know they are blind can see. This idea that we're ending on today seems to be completely contradictory to what our world tells us. The way to seeing clearly for the Christian is to be continually aware of our neediness and dependence on Jesus. The blind man was not only blind, but he was also a beggar. He knew his need. He knew his position, and it was that of a blind beggar. The Pharisees, in contrast, they thought they were elite. They thought they were the best, and it kept them from seeing. Or in contrast, the blind beggar, he knew he was once bl a blind beggar, but he also knew that the only through the grace and power of Jesus could he see. The path to seeing the beauty of Jesus is realizing our ongoing neediness for Jesus. Being considered needy in our world is generally not seen through a positive lens. But yet the Christian life says when we are weak, Jesus is strong. When we realize we have no power, Jesus becomes our superpower. When our life is surrounded by tragedy, Jesus steps in and he becomes our triumph. New City, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, and may we be known to be a church that is really comfortable with being known as desperate and needy beggars that are poor in spirit. That we don't run to our own self-reliance, but we are utterly dependent on the sovereign and gracious power of God for our every step and every breath. And because those who realize they have nothing in themselves, we realize we have everything in Jesus. Like this is the way of the kingdom. True soul rest and true Sabbath and true revival and true healing and true seeing starts with realizing we're poor, blind beggars that are in desperate need of Jesus. And the thing that often keeps us from true healing and ongoing seeing is often our own self-reliance. It's that we actually think we can and we put things on our own shoulders. But Jesus says, no, no, no. The way of Jesus is not up, but rather down. The way to becoming more like Jesus is not doing more and striving harder. No, it's sitting and resting and being healed and restored. It's Sabbathing. It's sitting and letting the defroster go to work so that we can see clearly. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, it's not our littleness that hinders Christ. It's our bigness. It's not our weakness that hinders Christ. It's our strength. It's not our darkness that hinders Christ. It's our supposed light that holds back his hand. New City Church, the way to ongoing seeing is realizing our blindness, that we're still desperate, needy beggars, and in our emptiness, 
That is where Jesus comes and fills us up. And there, Jesus continually, ongoing and daily, he continually opens up our eyes to see. Let's pray. God, you're good. God, I pray that we would be people that regularly and daily see the beauty and power of Jesus. God, that we we would rest well in Christ, and that by resting well, we would be empowered to see well, that we would remember our neediness and dependence on Jesus, and that in that we would find healing, and that, God, you would come in and fill our souls. God, we pray for a revival of each of our souls and spirits this morning. Father, if there are people that have not yet trusted in Jesus, God, I pray that today they would do that. God, we we can't see if we haven't first seen the beauty of the gospel. So, Father, I pray that people would trust in Jesus today. If they haven't, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.